0: What's up, peeps? I'm Mark Zalmanoff, and I'm here to help you make good choices. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Make Good Choices Podcast. I am your host, Mark, the Fitness Ninja Zalmanoff. As always, I got a super special guest with me today, and we'll get to him in just a second. But before we do, please make sure you subscribe. Leave a review. Share this with your friends so other people that you know can make good choices. Because Lord knows we need more good choices in this world. Good grief! Um, just scroll through, scroll through any social media, and you know why I say that. Anyway, uh, today's special guest is another one of my Apex brothers. He's actually a client of mine as well, and uh, I'm I'm pretty excited. This may be his. I don't know if this is his first podcast or not, but um,
1: this. This is my first podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're popping your podcast, Jerry. I love it. I love it. All right, so this guy, he is a father of three. He is CEO of multiple sales based businesses. He has recently gotten back into rugby. He loves some rugby, which we'll talk about that for sure. Uh, barbecue enthusiast, enthusiast, and fancies himself the Texas biz dad. This dude loves Texas like you will not meet somebody who loves Texas more than this guy. Uh, he was your typical can't hold a job serial entrepreneur, which I'm sure a lot of you guys that are listening to this can can uh, resonate with. Uh, bought a company called Argenta Field Solutions, grew the company from six reps and 300K revenue to 110 reps and $5 million. He currently still runs Argenta, has added Helios Power and team sales consulting to his portfolio. Ladies and gentlemen,
1: Doug Mitchell. Welcome to the show, Doug. Mark, brother, thanks for having me, man. This is uh, this is awesome. Very excited to do my uh, first podcast here. You
0: know, I when I invited you on, you know, I knew for a while I needed to have you on here, and uh, I started thinking, I'm like, I don't know that I've seen you on anybody else's show yet. So I f- I feel honored that I get to do this with you today. This is exciting it's, for me.
1: <laughs> it's only appropriate. You're my Apex coach. You're my fitness coach. You know what I mean. So I had to give you first dibs. I dig it. I dig it. So.
0: Before we get into all the, you know, what do you do and the success you've had, the one question that I always kick this thing off with that I want to know that I want you to share with our listeners is who is Doug Mitchell?
1: And, you know, I should have been ready for this question because I have <laughs> listened to your podcast uh, a lot and uh, man... So, I mean, you're, you already gave me my intro, but, but more, than, more than anything, I'm a, I'm a father. So I didn't have a, 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 a strong father figure growing up. I had one for a few years in the form of a stepdad. But uh, I, I would say, if you say who is Doug Mitchell, I am Cameron, Logan, and Maddie's dad, you know, and uh, that would probably be my, my, my first answer right there, so...
0: I love it. I love it. You know, I got two kids too. So I definitely understand that side of things. And mm-hmm. so, you know, this is actually a, a really good point. You know, you're an entrepreneur and, and I got questions about this because, you know, we, we've known each other for what, roughly a year or so, maybe, maybe not even that long. And yeah, I think about
1: seven months, seven months. Yeah.
0: And one thing that I've really learned about you is you take big risks and they're calculated. They're not stupid. You know, you're not just, throwing shit out there to see what happens. But like you're, <laughs> yeah. you, you have definitely shown your willingness to take a big risk to get the big reward. And, and, and it obviously pays off, you know, you've built successful businesses, your, your presence in the market is growing, you're getting seen mm. by the bigger people that you want to be seen by that opens opportunities for you. So with that being said, and with you being a father, How have you managed that? Because there's a whole different world when you work a nine to five and you know you get to go home every night and hang out with your kids compared to everything rises and falls on you and you still have a family.
1: Right. Um, So the beautiful thing about being in sales or being a salesman is that you're always going to have a job, you know? And so I always knew when whenever I took on the opportunity to buy Argenta um, that if it went belly up, I, I knew I can go find a sales job somewhere. I had had five sales jobs the couple of years before that. You know what I'm saying? And so when you're in sales, you're always going to be fed. Your family's always going to be fed. You may not be eating filet mignon every night, you know what <laughs> I mean? But you will have a roof over your head and, and you will be fed. Um, it's like it's like the the trades right now. You know what I mean? If you're an electrician, if you're a plumber, if you're, yeah. you know what I mean. Uh, all the, all these, all these things that are so high in demand, sales is always going to be high in demand. It never goes out of style. So um, any risk that I took, I always said to myself, especially having a sales based business. Well, at the end of the day, if everything goes belly up and everybody leaves, you know what I mean. I could just be an overpaid salesman. You know what I mean. I could just take hundred <laughs> percent of the company commission, pay it straight to myself, and and make a you know six figures that way if I need to. You know what I mean? So that's, that's kind of how I always look at it. You know, I'm never afraid to go, go to zero again. I'm never afraid to lose everything. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, you know, my, my family's going to be taken care of by my, my sales skills, you know? So if I, I, I shoot the big shot in business and I strike out, uh, I always have that to fall back on.
0: Have you always had that type of confidence? Cause again, you got three kids. It's not like you just got mm-hmm. one eating. Like, you know, one, most of us can like strap some shit together and figure it out. But, you know, when yeah. you have three kids, there's a, there obviously a lot of responsibility, a lot of financial responsibility that comes with that. So have you always right. had that type of confidence where you're like, you know what, I'm always going to be good. Or is that something that you had to figure out along the way?
1: So in in my 20s, <laughs> I always remember uh, telling my wife at the time, uh, always telling her that, hey, if we run out money i'm just gonna make more you know what i mean (laughs) it seems
0: so simple right
1: yeah yeah honestly it was in my early 20s and i'm you know i made a lot of financial mistakes back then you know what i'm saying because of that mentality but at, at the same time like i i hit some big financial gains because of it too you know i was never again i was never afraid to go broke you know and uh i i don't know i i never had that sense of like oh no, if this goes wrong, then I won't be able to buy a formula for my daughter. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I always tell people babies aren't expensive. You know what I mean? Like, especially your first one, cause you have the big baby shower. You know what I'm saying? You have way too many diapers. You have <laughs> all the clothes you can need. You have all this stuff. And and granted, not everybody has an amazing support system like that. That was Alicia. Uh, that was her support system. She's my spouse. And, um, so we, we had all that stuff from, from the get-go. So there, you know, maybe $500 a month is what it costs, you know? So then you have multiple kids, you know, they're not in school yet. So you don't have all the school supplies and everything. So the early parts of my career is when, uh, you know, I bought the business when I had my daughter. So the early parts of my career, the kids weren't that expensive yet. Now they're seven, nine, 11. So they've got, you know, baseball, they've got dance and they've got uh, uh, drama you know what I mean? Uh, and I mean, the plays at school, um, they don't have yeah. drama yet, thank God. <laughs> uh, but it, it's getting more expensive. But obviously, I've I've outgrown the very basic needs that they have, they, they have, you know, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be very, I'd have to do a lot of things wrong to get back to the income level, where I have to worry about that again, you know. Yeah. And so in my 30s, I it's not risk that I have to manage so much anymore. But in my 20s, I can see how if I wasn't honestly, just working my ass off, then I would, I would be worried about it. And I think that's where the insecurity comes in is when you're not putting in the work, you're insecure about putting food on the table or a roof over your head mm-hmm. or your family's head, because you know, you're not doing everything you're supposed to be doing. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And so um, I think that's why I never had that insecurity. Cause I had this insane, insane drive in my, in my, in my twenties.
0: It always comes back to doing the damn work, doesn't it?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> we it absolutely it does all the
0: time all the time you absolutely. know i i love the mindset of i can always go make money and it's something that like i've seen my wife laura she's ever since i've known her she's always said that she's like well you know i'm just gonna make some more but mm-hmm. you know like we overcomplicate the shit out of everything and so just, ha- again, just having that mindset of, well i'll, I'll just go make more like and and especially right now even though there's so many people that say they're struggling it mm-hmm. seems like there's never been an easier time to make money
1: yeah and and you're absolutely right and you know uh, Ryan Stuman with Apex talks about it all the time you know this is we have a huge opportunity right now where money is abundant and you know it may not be this way forever so let's let's take advantage let's double down and and take advantage 100% but this is where this is where I think it, it, you know, people like you and I make it a little out of context. You know, it's like, it's like Jordan saying it's easy to play basketball. You know <laughs> what I mean? It like we were born with certain talents, you know, and, the, and that, that's what drives me nuts is everybody, everybody uh, thinks automatically because, you know, anybody can go into business without any prerequisites. You know what I mean? That it's easy, Right. And that you don't need talent to do it. You just need hard work. And I don't think that's necessarily true. You know, I, I think you we are born with certain talents that benefit business. And so we tend to, um, we tend to a, a ignore that because as a society, we want everybody to be successful, right? But at the end of the day, you know, like Ryan, whether it be the environment that he grew up in or, you know, yourself or myself, our environments that we grew up in, affected how we how we operate today, you know what I'm saying? And the drive. And it affects our motivation, it affects our drive. So I think it's environment and then the things that we're born with, which is talent, you know. And I was born diagnosed ADD, you know what I mean? And so we tend to uh be able to handle multiple things at once. You know what I'm saying? And that is a entrepreneurial uh advantage in that sense. So these are things that you know we're just born with and some people don't have, them, you know. And so it it may be hard for some people to make money right now. But, you know, like we always talk about, that could be a mindset issue, too. You know, it could be a scarcity, a scarcity mindset as well.
0: So, so, you know, you work with a lot of sales teams. Your businesses are all sales driven. Can you, and either you or you metaphorically, can Mm -hmm. you teach work ethic? Because you can teach skill sets and you can teach systems and, you know, you can like you, I know you give scripts and, and role play and all those things, but do you believe you can teach somebody work ethic that doesn't show up with that same type of like internal drive to succeed?
1: So I think there's a scale for it. If you have a certain amount, I can teach you to have more, but there's a minimum in there. Let's just say it's, it's a scale from one to 10, right? And I, And I got a guy that comes in that, you know, shows promise at the same time, has those days that he calls in and stuff like that. But that's the thing. You may be a product of your environment. You may grow up in a household where they call into work, where they take every sick day they can get. You know what I'm saying? But in you, you know, that's not right, but you just need someone else to show you that it's not right. You know what I'm saying? So um, I think you can inspire work ethic 100%. Yeah. And I think you can bring that out of someone, but, you know, and there is some people that just don't have it. They've never had it. They're never going to have it. So they need to have that nine to five that tells them what to do. You know what I mean? And, but those people are also like, I don't know, amazing chefs and they're, you know, amazing fathers or, you know, they have their attributes that make them great. You know, I think we get a little tunnel vision inside the entrepreneurial friends that we have and we think everybody that's not like us is bad, but that's not true, you know? Uh, everybody has their place in the world, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, we we need everyone. I mean, you know, if if everyone was successful, would anybody be successful? You know, then you're then we're all just the the same. Like somebody has to clean the floors, otherwise the floors yeah. dirty. So every everyone exactly. plays their role for sure. So so you obviously have this work ethic, you have this confidence and this drive that that seemingly is just part of who you are where did that come from is that it was that a product of your childhood is it something mm-hmm. that was you know modeled to you as you were growing up that you took a hold of or you know where where did that originate from
1: uh i would say 100% my childhood um you know I, i'd like to believe part of it i was just born with right but the rest was molded uh in in my childhood uh you know not to get too deep but my my childhood was kind of uh, a lot of not really knowing where I belonged because I stayed with my aunt or I stayed with my grandma or you know what I mean anytime that I could be uh you know the school year ended and I could be shipped off I was shipped off you know what I'm saying and then uh probably the pivotal moment you know and this this is all stuff that I've forgiven and gotten past you know what I mean cause I, I still have a relationship with my mom and she did the best she could at the time. You know, I, I, I often have to think back and realize, Hey, she was early twenties. You know what I mean? When I just started having kids, she was raising one, you know? And so um, anyway, so when I was 12, 11, 12, 12 years old, um, my aunt had off and on raised me to that point. You know what I'm saying? Summers, a couple of school years here and there. And she asked me, she, she never had any kids. Her husband died when uh, she was young. And um, she asked me if I wanted to come stay with her because there was a lot of chaos going on in my home. You know, my sister uh, had just gotten pregnant at 15 years old, and um, my mom and stepdad were getting a divorce. You know what I mean? And so I was in the middle of all that. And she saw that and she kind of just plucked me out of there. You know what I mean? She asked, me, would you want to come live with me? And then, of course, I'm you know, I'm 12 years old and, you know, I know that she does really well. You know I'm saying? Like I'm a kid, you know, she's got a beautiful house and stability and, uh, (laughs) you know, it's crazy. Kids don't want it, but they do want it. They want a bedtime every night. They want structure. You know what I'm saying? And I knew that was there with her. So absolutely. I said, yes, I knew she loved me. I knew that she was going to take amazing care of me. So I said, yes. And at the time, uh my mom wasn't home at the time. And then when she got back home, she realized what had happened. You know what I mean? And so she called me and was like, uh, basically, why did you leave? And you're making me feel bad. You know what I mean? Kind of turning it around, you know? You're making me feel bad and all this. So, you know, I got upset, but at the end of the day, she never came and got me. Mm. You know what I mean? And so that created, that created abandonment issues. You know what I mean? And so even though I was the one to leave, I was 12 years old. I was a kid, you know? (laughs) Of course, I'm gonna go to the 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 shiny thing, the structure, the thing that doesn't. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so, um, uh, my aunt raised me until I graduated high school, and uh, and then of course, my uh, biological father was never around, so there's abandonment issues there too. Uh, I got dropped off at you know my granny Tish's house for summers, and uh, he was a trucker, so he would come in every now and then, do some cool shit with me, and then leave, but he. Could care less i was just a matter of convenience that i was there you know what i mean and and um and so i think that created a lot of uh when as i got older i spent a lot of my life proving trying to prove to other people that i was good enough you know what yeah. i mean and looking for that acceptance looking for that uh family you know what i mean and family of choice that i have now and so uh, a lot of where it took me as a, a a lot of what I do as a father is to do the complete opposite of how I was raised. You know what I'm saying? And so what that, what that also did is it created this chip on my shoulder. You know what I mean? Well, you don't think I'm good enough. I'm going to show everybody that I'm good enough. You know what I'm saying? And it took, it took probably until I was probably about 29, 30 to realize that that's what, that's where it came from. I didn't know where it came from. It was this this drive in me and people would say all the time, like, dude, like, like, I, I, don't, I don't understand. it. How do you work this much? Or how, why, you know, what are you doing? And I didn't have an answer. Yeah, you know, I didn't realize I was trying to prove myself to the world, you know what I'm saying? And so uh, it, it probably took until about 29 or 30 that I realized those abandonment issues kind of shaped who I am today. And, it, and it, it's, it's crazy that these beautiful things come from such negative things, you know, but sometimes that's just the way it works and you have to appreciate it and, and honestly be grateful for it. Because I, I am who I am today because of that childhood. You know what I mean? I'm the father I am. I'm the business owner I am. The friend, you know what I mean? The, the spouse, all that.
0: Um, appreciate you sharing all that, man. You know, mm-hmm. I, know I, I know it's not, that's not easy for a lot of people uh, to put your story out there like that. So definitely appreciate yeah. that. Um, and, and you're right. It, it's interesting how, you know, all of us, our background shapes who we are and how we interact with the world. And what's always intriguing to me is it can go one of two ways, you know, it can be totally destructive and you can go down this this, the same path and repeat the same bullshit, or you can do what you've done and go the exact opposite way. And, you know, the, the people that, that we associate with our apex family, you know, our goon squad, like, you know, your name gets brought up probably more than, you know, and we're always like, Mm -hmm. that's just a damn good dude. Like (laughs) anytime your name gets brought up, we're like, Doug's a damn good man, you know, and I, but I appreciate it because it's hard. It's hard being entrepreneur and being a father and and people are depending on you and and the pressure that we put on ourselves to perform sometimes, Mm -hmm. or most of the time is far greater than anyone else will ever put on us, you know, because, because everybody, you know, like you just said, why do you work so hard? You know, why do you doing, you know, people question like what Mm -hmm. we think is normal when, you know, we're the weirdos, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're, we're kind of the abnormal ones, but you know, how do you kind of deal with that from the external, when you got people that are not in your circle, that are going, why are you working mm-hmm. so hard? And why can't you just be happy with, with what you have? And, you know, and all, all those things that we know people say.
1: So, um, let me provide some, some context I, I got a story for you and I'll provide some context real quick. Um, so, uh, my girlfriend, Alicia, is also my, the, the mother of my children. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it correctly. <laughs> I, I like to say baby mama. Baby well. mama. <laughs> so She's my baby mama. She's my girlfriend. And she's my ex-wife. So what happened there is we got uh, divorced about three years ago. And then we reconciled about a year ago. So just putting that out there for context. Okay. So whenever, right after we first got, got married and had our first child, um, we were living in her parents, uh, condo. Okay. They had a, they lived in Eagle Pass. They had a condo in Corpus Christi, Texas. And, uh, that's where, uh, her and her sisters went to school. So her parents bought a condo there for, for them to have a place to stay. And then as a real estate, you know, investment. And, uh, so, uh, basically when we got married, we were broke, you know, (laughs) and, uh, we paid for the wedding we're like, okay, we got nothing left. (laughs) Let's (laughs) see what happens. Right. And so at the time I worked for the previous owner of Argenta and uh, the opportunity got brought, uh, came about for me to buy the company. And uh, so I remember distinctly we're both laying in bed and I'm telling her about the opportunity. Like I'm pumped up about it. And the business cost 200 grand because that's what he put into it. And he wanted to get his money back basically. And all it really was, was an at and contract. There was no real business in place. You know what <laughs> I mean? Uh, and door to door at that. Right. And to that point, I had been knocking doors for like six months for the for this business and and trying to get it back to black. And so she sees me going through all this struggle and everything. And she's the she's uh, graduated. She's getting a solid paycheck as a teacher now. And so she's the stable income. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, she was she was raised that way. Get educated, you know, get your stable income. She's more traditional. Right. And uh, so we're laying in bed. I'm telling her about the opportunity. I'm excited about it. And she sits up in bed and looks over at me, makes sure I'm making eye contact with her. And she says, please don't do this. (laughs) Because up until that point, there was nothing stable about me, you know, commission only positions, you know, my, my job at the time was 30 grand a year. You know what I mean? It was barely, you know, paying enough to keep the lights on. Right. And uh, she, i had a stable position and she knew what it was like before and she knew what it was going to be like starting this new business you know what i mean yeah and uh and uh so the next day i went into the office and i signed the contract anyways and i did it (laughs) 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 and we love to tell that story because i mean you're you're a brand new husband and wife you know what i mean you don't have this figured out yet you know if if i came to her tomorrow and said hey I'm quitting Argenta and I'm, I'm not going to do sales consulting anymore. And I'm going to, uh, I don't know, I'm going to be a farmer. She'd be like, hell yeah, let's do it. You know, because <laughs> I mean? she knows me already. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? And she knows, you know, whatever I put my mind to, I'm going to kick ass at it. You know what I mean? And so um, that, I, I, I love telling that story because, you know, it, as crazy as it sounds, that was like the first big, like, she doesn't get it. You know what I mean? And, and, and I've, I've never faulted her for that. I completely understand where she's coming from. She's got a daughter. She's got her husband. That's just this crazy, like all over the place kind of guy, you know what I mean? And she's trying to like, Hey, how are we going to raise a family here? You know what I mean? And that's her motherly instinct. And I appreciate that so much about her. Um, But you know, over time, obviously it ended up being a, a a great decision, but yeah, you know, especially in the early parts of my career, you, you know, as you were asking that question, I realized that that doesn't happen much anymore. Yep. Like people don't ask me that much anymore because all the people I associate myself with are doing the same thing I am. You know <laughs> what I mean? They're operating businesses. They're making big sales. They're they're getting out of their comfort zone. You know what I mean? Their, their work ethic is on point. You, you know, it was in my 20s that I lived in Corpus Christi and I was, you know, this big fish in a small pond and, you know, people... Uh, People didn't understand why I did what I did. You know what I mean? They didn't understand uh, why I operated the way I operated. And uh, my aunt was one of them. So again, people closest to me, right? My aunt was one of them that all the time she she would tell me like, you're taking all these huge risks. You know what I mean? And and granted, I was borrowing money from her at times. You know what I mean? (laughs) To, To make payroll or to make something work. You know what I mean? But it was like, everybody wanted me to just take that that simpler path you know what i'm saying but i just it's so crazy cuz you you hear a lot of people talk about their motivation for not taking it but i was just born this way i i i don't know how to say it like after after getting fired from 15 to 20 jobs from 16 to 20 years old or 23 years old like you know you should not work for anybody <laughs> i mean at some point you're like i can't a have a boss <laughs> i'm a terrible employee you know and I think that's what that taught me. And as soon as I got a taste of entrepreneurship, which I had a few businesses when I was younger—mobile car detailing, uh, marketing, and graphic design—you um, know, putting out real estate signs, all, all kinds of different hustles and stuff. Um, but as soon as I got a taste of it, I was like, "Man, this is what I need to do. I need to live and die by my own sore. Yeah. Know?
0: Yeah, and and to your point, it's so important to have the right people around you because number one, like other people don't need to understand what we're doing. Like it's none of their business, just like their business is none of our business. But you know, we love meddling in everybody else's business and telling people what to do with their money and all that other shit. Right. Yep. But you know, when you, when you get around people that understand that it's not the money, like we're not chasing money. Yeah. money's a part of it. I fucking love money. I love having more money. It's great, it makes yeah. my life easier. However, mm-hmm. that's not, that's not the primary driver. And, you know, I look at what you're doing and, and the impact and the people that you provide an income for. And as you get into this consulting role that you're pursuing, like you're going to change people's lives because you're going to open their mind to what's actually possible. And mm-hmm. there's, there's a pretty damn good chance you will cross paths with so many people And you will change them generationally, just like Stuman has done for most of us, you know, Mm -hmm. where he's, he's elevating himself and expanding himself and we're going oh well I can do that too because here's where he was and here's where he's going and I'm there and I can go that same way. So not people don't need to understand all of that that's going on behind the scenes. And as long as we're okay with it, which obviously you are and I am as well, but as long as we're okay with that, then you know we just have this freedom to go really make the impact that we desire in this world, and it's it's awesome as far as I'm concerned. I love it. I I wouldn't I wouldn't choose another way.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing is it's a once you realize what you're capable of in terms of impact. Once your first employee makes a hundred grand in a year, or your first salesperson brings down that. 5,000 in a week commission check. It's a quench you can never thirst again. (laughs) Or it's a thirst you can never quench again. So that backwards. So once you realize that it's a thirst you can never quench again. And you keep coming back for more and more and more. And it's a really good drug. It is. It it is the best drug to see their big. So we do big checks in my company, right? You know, we're that cheesy sales company. Hey, look at how much money I made. (laughs) You know what I mean? But we do big checks and their faces, some of the the pictures we have just the ear to ear smiles because they realize what they're capable of, yeah. you know? And, um, I, I, I used to always tell new people coming in, you know, and, and this was 10 years ago. Okay. So subtract for inflation, <laughs> but <laughs> I used to tell new people coming in, you could just read our script off of a piece of paper and make twice as much as you would working minimum wage. You know what I mean? So six 700 bucks a week, right. Uh, you can just read off a piece of paper and they read our script, and you'll come across a customer that needs what you're selling. You know what I'm saying? And that's all you have to do. Now, we teach you how to connect with that customer. You know what I mean? We teach you how to uh, build rapport. We teach you the structure of a sale. We teach you how to uh, overcome objections. And now all of a sudden, you're making a 1,000 plus a week. You know what I mean? And these are people that worked food. You know what I mean? They worked retail. They worked call centers. You know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden, they're looking at a check for $1,000 a week, which is two and three times what they made previously. You know what I mean? Um, it's just, it's, it's an awesome thing. Yeah. And it is very addicting. And now it's like, all right, well, you know, we've done that 100 times over. So now it's like, man, we're, uh, we're doing solar now. You know what I mean? And uh, we're, we're talking about, I mean, you spoke to it a little bit earlier when you were, you were talking about it's not necessarily the money. And I think for me, it's the freedom, right? Uh, Sean Whalen spoke at MDM and his, his, his speech was probably one of the most impactful for me um, because he talked about being a free man. Yeah. And that's such an amazing concept, you know, and we actually integrated it into our mission. Um, We help each other achieve freedom. Nice. And, uh, you know, a lot of people ask, well, what is that freedom? Well, it's, it's a few things. It's financial freedom, Right. Being able to uh, buy what you want, uh, it's uh, freedom of time, you know, being able to say, okay, this is how I'm going to spend my time today and have 100% control of that. Uh, freedom from debt, you know, that goes back to the financial freedom, but it, it really is something on its own to only have a car payment and a house payment. I mean, that's, that's huge, but still own assets, you know what I'm saying? And then uh, freedom of faith, we talk about that a lot, you know? being able to, uh, pray and being able to worship and, you know, all the, all these things that, uh, you know, us as individuals are, are allowed to do, uh, to me that all those things encompass what being a, a free man is, you know, and, uh, a lot of people can't say that they're free to do whatever they want in all those areas, you know, and I think they should be able to, especially if they work with us. So that's, that's our mission. You know, we help each other to freedom.
0: I would say most people do not have freedom, not even close to it. And most won't pursue it and do the work necessary to get there. And that's, you know, it's not hard to look around right now and see that. You know, every every restaurant, every place I go has a now hiring sign and their hours are limited and they, they can't find staffing. Now, some of those people that would normally be working are probably showing their b-hole on OnlyFans. I got it. You know, totally understand. I, I keep... I keep telling my wife, I'm like, babe, you know, if you want to get rich quick, let's roll, you know, here's my, here's my plan. I'll just share my plan. I
1: I don't think I have the confidence to do that. I don't think I have the security to do that. I'm sorry. Well, see,
0: here's, here's my plan is my, my wife, my beautiful wife will be the front. So, you know, they'll see her face, but it'll, it'll really be my butt, but they won't know, you know? Oh,
1: (laughs) I think they might know. know.
0: I pulled the okey doke on them. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think it'll work. Look, there's plenty of fucking freaks out there. If I could, if I just got on and showed my feet, I'm somebody's, sure gonna gonna gonna
1: it. It. <laughs> somebody's gonna pay for it. Somebody's gonna pay for it, a hundred percent. There is no, there is no limit of fetishes out there. No. no. <laughs>
0: Um, so you have this, to me, you have this incredible track record of success over the years and, and, you know, we, we know we all fail over and over and over again, but you know, the success is definitely outweigh the failures for you. What would you say, if you had to narrow down like two or three key components that have facilitated your success in everything that you've done, what would you say those things are?
1: Well, one of them I would say is just being relentless. You know, it's, it's a buzzword, right? You see it in quotes and stuff like that, but until you, you look in your bank account and you realize you've got, I don't know, let's just say 20 people dependent on it. And there's not enough in there to make payroll. Right. And then you call your partner and he's like, I don't got any money for you. I'm out. I'm tapped. Can't help you. You know what I mean? Uh, Your credit score is junk, so you can't go and uh, go take a loan or anything like that. you trashed it getting this business off the ground, right? Um, And then, you know, you can't pay your bills. And your wife is asking you when we can pay the light bill, or, you know, she's asking you when we can um, get this thing that we need around the house, or... When we can go grocery shopping and spend two or $300 and you've got, you know, 20 bucks in your account or you just had Taco Bell for lunch. You know what I mean? From the change in your middle console, you know what I'm saying? Um, And all these things are happening and you accept it. You live in it for a little bit. You feel sorry for yourself for a little bit. And then you take one step towards making payroll. You know what I'm saying? Which is, I don't know, you, you get on the freaking phone and you call everybody, you know, and you drum up the bit, you drum up the loan. You know what I'm saying? Um, There's so many times I tried to sell ownership in my company just to make payroll, you know? And it's crazy thinking about it. Now, the people that if they had loaned me five grand back then, they would have made 500,000 by now. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) They would have made, you know, maybe 750,000 by now, you know? But I'm glad they never took the deal. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, I, I did. I did everything. I mean, there was there was one point without knowing. You know, my manager told me about this guy that loaned out money, right? And uh, long story short, I ended up borrowing money from the mob. So luckily, I I paid it back on time. So I didn't know it. And then, like, a, it was like a few years down the road, he was like, "Yeah, that guy worked for the mob." Oh I found God. it out later. I was like, you sent me to somebody that worked for the model, <laughs> <laughs> but I, 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 I made payroll, you know, and, um, and it, and it is tough because you, you go to a dark place. It's, it's, it's hard to come out of sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, over the years you go there so many times, you have to really practice good, good uh, things that are good for your mental health in order to stay out of that place. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, and I think that's where the confidence comes from, you know, later, later in life, because you've been through all that when you were younger, and you did, you made the dumb decisions that caused those things. That, uh, that you know that you can overcome anything if you can overcome some things like that. So I would say, one of them is 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 being relentless, and then uh, I would say another one is extreme ownership. It doesn't matter what an employee or a salesperson does to you or against you. At the end of the day. If they were able to hurt your bottom line or hurt your organization or um, slander you, you know, you opened yourself up for that. You made the decision to hire them. You didn't recognize the warning signs or the red flags, whatever the case is. It's, it's extreme ownership in everything. If you, take, if you wake up in the morning or go to bed at night and you look in the mirror and you say the man in the mirror or the woman in the mirror is responsible for everything that happened today then nobody can touch you Yep. because you're the only person responsible for that. And you either fix what went wrong. You know what I'm saying? Or you, you find an, another way to approach it. And so as long as you're doing that every day, you take an extreme ownership of everything and you're learning from it, you're fixing it, you're getting better. And I, I didn't realize I was doing it in my twenties cause I wasn't reading. I didn't have people around me that taught me how to do this. You know what I mean? I just, screwed up a lot and I didn't do that same thing again (laughs) you know it was like square peg round hole okay that doesn't work let me try this one let me try this one you know what I mean and you know I I was blessed in a lot of ways I was uh blessed with an aunt that you know gave me a Walmart credit card and a lot of times that's how I fed my family you know what I'm saying I was blessed with um you know the tenacity to get out there and knock on doors when we weren't going to make rent for, uh, our office. Now I I was blessed with, uh, a few key players, you know, um, you know, and I'll just mention them, Ralph Ramone, Wayne Skinner, um, Troy Stoney, my ex-partner, uh, Chris Jackson, uh, he was my partner at one time and CFO taught me, you know, how to be conservative with expenses. So like throughout my career, I was, I was blessed in, in, in a lot of ways, but Every every downfall, every setback, you know, every problem I had, I took extreme ownership of it and did everything I could not to let it happen again. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Those repeated mistakes is over and over again because you don't you want to take shortcuts or you don't have the work ethic or, you know, you uh, want the temporary satisfaction or what's going to kill you in your business, you know? And so you got to take extreme ownership and and not do that again, basically so that those are the two things stream ownership and uh being relentless is probably the the key things i would say i like it
0: i like it a lot um all right we're gonna switch gears just a little bit before we wrap this thing up so you're a texan you love texas you love texas (laughs) so here here's my I, i got two questions for this where did that love of texas come from but where did your love of rugby come from? Because nobody in this hemisphere plays rugby. <laughs> and I'm completely, so, I've never, I've never asked you this before. So I'm like, I'm really curious yeah. where the rugby actually came from. Okay.
1: So I'll, I'll start with Texas. Um, my love of Texas came from my grandma. So my grandma was one of the ones that had me some summers and um, you know, I always lived in or around San Antonio. And so my grandma was a huge country music fan. So she would go to the, the uh, San Antonio stock show and rodeo every year. That was uh, down here in San Antonio. Before that it was called the, the or they had a, something similar called the George Strait Music Festival. I don't know if you remember that yep. way back in the day. And, uh, you know, Merle Haggard, uh, Willie Nelson, um, you know, uh, all the 90s country stars used to tour around San Antonio. And they toured on what is now known as the Texas country scene, scene you know what I mean? And so basically that's where my my love of Texas came from was from uh, her and music and then learning about my history. So we've actually been able to, to trace our uh, family lineage on my uh, my mother's side um to stephen f austin which you know austin texas (laughs) so it's literally
0: um, in your blood
1: (laughs) yeah it's literally in my blood and so again born with it learned it and i do i just i I love all the things that texas stand stand texans stand for and uh one of the biggest ones is we take care of our own you know and at the end of the day if everything goes to shit you know i'm saying like we'll 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 hunt. We'll forage. We'll protect our home. You know what I mean. We'll we'll take care of our uh, of our home and and you know we'll serve God, and that's you know, to me, what being a Texan is all about. You know, besides barbecue and you know cows and everything else that you see on TV. So,
0: I I cannot imagine living through these last two years anywhere else other than texas and you know my wife and i talk about it because we travel and and, and she goes mm-hmm. to different places and you kind of forget what the rest of the world's doing out there because <laughs> we're blessed with so much freedom and, yeah. and so much autonomy to do what the fuck we want to do and not have to worry about you know too too much of the bullshit that's been going on in the world and other places and i'm I'm yeah. so grateful to have lived in here because I'm in Frisco, Texas, and I've yeah. just been so grateful to live here where I am through all of this.
1: I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I mean, we, uh, I joined Apex like you know six months after COVID or eight months after COVID. So you know, going up to the events and everything, and you know, nobody had to wear a mask or anything inside the hotels and stuff like that. And then having people, you know, uh, business owners come in from New York and from up North and from all these other States that were just like locked down still, they could barely get out of them. You know what I mean? Uh, gave me a lot of appreciation for our, for our state and that we were like not afraid and we were working through it. We were, you know, being smart and, uh, and still doing business, you know, and still doing amazing. If, I mean, if you look at, uh apex as an organization from when that you know 2020 mdm hit or sorry 2021 mdm hit to now i mean it's what like tripled in size (laughs) you know what i mean and so that was so pivotal that ryan and his team made that happen you know what i mean because look at the impact it's had since then yeah you know and just just in our in our in our facebook feeds it's insane it's beautiful yeah yeah
0: all right, so so rugby, where, where, did your, okay. where did you get introduced to rugby and what made you love going out there and just colliding with other
1: humans? Okay, so, you know, we're men. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like True. And we have, you know, whether it's in the gym or whether it's some, you know, uh, playing basketball, playing pickup basketball, you know. Uh, my, my problem was in high school, I was a small guy, you know, what I, mean? I was five foot nothing, you know, a 100. And when I graduated, I was like 175 pounds, you know what I mean? And so I just didn't have the athletic ability in high school, right? And so I always had that, again, that chip on my shoulder. I was an angry dude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I had that chip on my shoulder a little bit. And, you know, so I would play pickup basketball and stuff like that and, you know, work out as much as I could, but I, I was getting out of shape. And so it was my wife's, uh, cousin's husband so basically my cousin-in-law um said hey uh I play rugby and I'm like what the hell like who plays rugby in Texas right so it turns out when you look at the states that have adopted rugby and it's growing rapidly Texas and California are one and two so like we've adopted it big time here and uh you know before COVID it was growing like crazy you know what I mean and uh, so, so basically there's levels to it, right? There's recreational, there's kind of competitive and then there's competitive, right? So D1 through D3, D3 is the, the social. And so he, he played in a 3 team called the Corpus Christi Crabs. And, uh, you know, as soon as I went to that first practice and then as soon as I played in a game and got my ass handed to me, <laughs> I mean, I got leveled you know, and at the time I was like 285 pounds. I was not a small dude, you know what I mean? But I got the thing about rugby, the beautiful thing about rugby is it's, 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 it's coordinated, beautiful violence. You know oh, what I mean? Yep. And so the guy that leveled me was five foot five, 180 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> and I mean, he put me on my ass cause he had good form. You know what I mean? He knew where to hit me and how to run me over. And so, um, but it was, it was exhilarating to get hit like that. Some people go and pick out bar fights, you know what I'm saying? Just to experience <laughs> okay. violence, right? And once I experienced it, I was I was addicted, you know? Because I think it just, it, it, it taps into something in us that we were born with, you know what I mean? Uh, that we don't get to do in the form of like hunting or surviving like we used to when, you know, our ancestors were trying to survive, right? And uh so it it is it is very addicting a hundred percent. And so I, I went from being a player to being the president of the club because I can't do anything. Of course you half-ass. You know I mean? <laughs> <Not>
0: <laughs> so I was play, president
1: Yeah, I was president of the club for a couple of years and then I moved to San Antonio, hooked up with Alamo City Rugby here in San Antonio, and uh you know, I've done uh, social chair and uh, treasurer and all that stuff, but it's also a way to give back. You know, we, we do tackling clinics for uh, youth football teams um, because the way that they're taught to hit in football is an improper tackle in general. And so it's just, it's, it's opened up a lot of uh, doors personal and business-wise for me. And uh, it's, you know, one of the things that's really important to me and the ways I want to give back in, in the future is men's mental health. And so a lot of the people that you get playing in rugby are uh, ex-military and that's like their new like brothers, you know right. what I'm saying? Because there's there's a brotherhood to rugby that you, you don't realize, you know what I mean? Because you are literally like holding on to each other at certain times during the, the play and you're literally like rucking over someone protecting the ball and them from getting hit by the opposing players, you know what I'm saying? So there's just something to it that creates a brotherhood and you know uh they always say like uh soccer is a uh a gentleman's game played by hooligans and rugby is a hooligans game played by gentlemen (laughs) it's 100 percent true because once the game is over you shake hands and you and you you take them back to your local watering hole and you have a beer together and you feed them you know what i mean it's it's part of the culture of rugby. So it, it becomes it becomes very addicting. That's why I was trying to get you out to that, that uh, no, tournament. No.
0: <laughs> I don't have health insurance, man. Uh anyway. <laughs> so before we wrap up, I got one more question for you. Um uh, mm-hmm. we're we're on social media a lot. You know, we're posting and putting stories and all that stuff. If you knew that the very next thing that you posted on social media would go viral, like Big time, viral. Everybody's like, "Do you see what Doug Mitchell posted? What mm-hmm. would you want that post to say?
1: Oh, man. I've never heard you ask that question before. Where'd you get that from? That's a good one. Um, oh, man. I, I would want that post to say, stop sacrificing what you want most for what you want right now. Mm. I spent a lot of my twenties doing that, you know, and and it, it, it cost me a marriage. It almost cost me my business. It cost me friendships. You know what I mean? Um, Too many times. And, 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 and you deal with this all the time, Mark, as a, as a trainer, as a uh, fitness coach, Um, we want a cookie right now you know what I mean? But what we want most is to live longer and to be healthy and to be happy. Right. Yep. Um, you know, that, that's the simplest form of it. Right. Um, but it has to do with, you know, a hundred percent with temptation, a hundred percent with going out and getting drunk, uh, a hundred percent with buying, you know, the $70,000 truck instead of the $40,000, you know, smaller truck. I don't know. Um, buying the, uh, you know, $2,000 a month payment house when you make a hundred grand a year because, you know, you want to look successful now, you know what I mean? Versus, you know, putting that extra thousand dollars a month into, uh, uh, I don't know, an IRA or uh, an investment stocks. Uh, Now it's crypto, you know what I mean? Um, There's so many things that we do on a day-to-day basis that are out of discipline, out of faith, and out of what's good for us, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I did a, lo- a lot of that in my 20s and I still do it in my 30s, <laughs> you know what I mean? You and I have our, <laughs> our training calls all the time, you know what I mean? But on the really big things that matter, we got to stop doing it, you know what I mean? Like family time is a, is a big one for me now. Yeah. You know, what I want right now is to take that call from that salesperson and help him close the deal but what i want most is a long lasting relationship with my daughter you know what i mean yep and so i have to make sure that phone's on silent during that time yeah you know, that's another uh, great example of it and so that that's what uh, i think that's the message i would send is you know stop sacrificing what you want most for what you want right now
0: i dig it i dig it that's awesome dude you're awesome thank you so much you are too brother thank you you know what <laughs> really like thank you you know thank you for sharing thank you for being vulnerable like you know, we all got a story and I know it's easy to kind of put our story in the background. Again, nobody wants to hear that shit. They've heard it before, but you know, somebody always resonates and I I truly believe the right people hear the right message at the right time. So I appreciate you coming on. I'm glad I got to be the the first one to interview the Doug Mitchell. Uh, (laughs) I will put all your links in the show notes. So go follow this man. He's doing awesome shit. Um, I love seeing the stuff with your family uh your your barbecue page i hope you kind of revitalize that because that shit just looks
1: i need to i need to
0: (laughs) (laughs) and uh until next time folks y'all go out there and make good choices thanks so much for tuning in i greatly appreciate it if you would like to get a copy of my book make good choices head on over to the amazons type in make good choices or my name should come up in either place. If you would like to connect with me for health and fitness coaching, shoot me an email at info at markzfitness.com or shoot me a text 214-418-8872. That's the only phone number I got. It's been out there for a really long time. Hope you enjoyed the show and until next time, keep on making good choices.